being overcomers. Oh. I don't know if you missed last week. I know we touched on James a lot last week of talking about when he's when you read the book of James, by the way, just remember this, he is talking to believers. He's not talking to the world. So the stuff that he covers in there, it's good word. It's sometimes can be a little uh, tight. But if we're doing what he tells us to do, it's not so tight then, is it? It's easy to say amen and, and get happy. And I'm going to undo this collar if that's okay with y'all. Cause, well, maybe I ain't. I thought it was ready to get ready to come off. but That's okay. But we learned last week that he talked about when we are going against God, then that makes us adulterers and adulteresses. So whenever we don't submit to God, we're going against God, and we showed the picture that we're the bride and he's the husband. And so when you know, I gave you a story last week, how many, when did I do that? Was that Sunday morning, Sunday night when I talked about Sandy and Ken? You know, and, you know, Sandy, she decided, and it's not us. It's not me and Sweetie. It was just a name. Instead of picking on one of y'all, anyway, it was about, you know, she had this idea. She could just do whatever she wanted after we got married. And and I'm like, no, that don't, I mean, Ken is like, no, that don't work. <laughs> but, and and it gets it showed the picture of saying, you know, when someone doesn't understand or know, and that's the whole purpose of this series of messages is so that we can understand and know the Word of God. I don't want to blatantly miss out on not serving God. And that's the main thing. That's the thing that weakens us as a church, as individuals, as a church. And as we see the results of our nation of things that's going on, that's what weakens us as a nation. So that's the purpose of this series. How, how many of you want to be more than you are right now in Jesus? Just clap right now. Just clap, raise your hand, whatever. You want to be more. And man, I tell you, that, it, that just blesses my heart right now because to know that we're on the right track so that we can apply things. So we learned that adultery and idolatry are very similar. They ride in the same boat together. And so we're going to be talking this morning about what is behind idolatry. It's going to be, um, what's a good word for me to say here? To dig into the truth of what idolatry is. Do we all understand what it is? That's the key. Do we understand what it is? It's putting anything before God, that's right. It sometimes is not going to be quick to go through these things, and we may have to continue to put it in our hearts so that it takes, right? You never started walking the first day. It took practice to get to where you could walk without tearing up furniture in your head and your body. And so it takes that we have to get into it. But the, what it will reveal to us will be very beneficial to us as believers. What it will be reveal to us will be very beneficial to anyone who is not a believer. Ultimately, it's going to take us to the place that we could be able to detect anything that might be idolatry in our lives. Are y'all ready to take this journey? 
We're about six, eight weeks in deep in this thing, and, it, and I pray that you've been getting something out of it. I pray that you've been uh, chewing the cud on it. But we got to get to where the, the roots of it are. But I want to lay out some scriptures this morning. Now, first of all, we're going to be in Romans chapter 1 a great deal. I'm going to hit some other scriptures, and if these guys can get them on the board, good. If not, you can write them down, or if you can quick with your Bible, turn to them and read along with me. But we're going to go first to lay a foundation to Ecclesiastes 3 and 11. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts. You see, every human being, every person that has ever been born and ever will be born, God has put eternity in their hearts. You have it right now. You had it when you was a baby. If you're 95 or 92, it's in your heart because God placed it there. Every person has that quality. Romans 2, 14 and 15 says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. Now catch this next one, verse 15. Who show the work of the law written in their hearts. He's talking about people here who don't have the law, unbelievers. But the, it, the, when they do right, it's showing what is written in their hearts. Their conscience, that's another word I want you to key on, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. You see, there's, there's things that God has put in our heart and if we will allow that to work in our hearts, our conscience will either tell us it's okay or our conscience will tell us, no, it's not okay. So it doesn't matter whether you're saved. God has already put that in your heart when you were born. Think about little children. When Megan and Ryan did things that were wrong before they ever knew or heard it from me and Sweetie, they had a look of guilt. They'd look and see if we was checking out and seeing. They knew that's wrong. Well, how did they know that? It's because God put it in their heart. And every one of you done it too. I hope none of you are still doing stuff like that, but, you know, it's a part of growth. You see, the knowledge of God is in creation. Isn't it a beautiful morning this morning? I so wish we had windows in this place so we could just let the air in a little bit and I'm sweating already. But the beautiful blue sky this morning, I was over at Carson's the other day and stopped by and talked to Randy too and seen a robin out in the yard. All I heard this morning was crows, but one of these days soon I'll be hearing some pretty birds. But creation in and of itself lets us know about God. In Romans 9, 1 and 19, it says, Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There's no justification, folks, for a human being to be ignorant about God. There is none. And you might say, well, what about the people in the remote parts of the world? 
They've never heard about God. Let me tell you something, folks. You don't have to go to the remote parts of the world. You can go down the street right now and find people who have never heard about God. That's a sad answer for the church in America. Sad answer. But let's just look and say that person in the remote part of the world, some tribe in Africa or South America or something, and they've never heard the word of God. They've never received that. You see, the people that will ask those, those kinds of questions, they say, well, how can they be saved? How can a loving God condemn them? When we ask those kinds of questions, in reality, those questions are really statements of protest about God. Isn't it right? It creates a question about God. Who did that in the beginning? Satan. He created a question about who God was, what he could do, what he was about, what his love for man was. He created that question. So when we have those kinds of questions, it's nothing short of a cop-out of what we already know but aren't willing to receive. It's making an excuse. In our consciences, we know God. In the world's conscience, they know God. Why? Well, we read it in Scripture here, and Scripture's true, because he put it there, but they reject that truth. And what they don't realize, and what maybe you don't realize, you've got a Bible, and you can know everything you need to know about God. Just got to read it. I don't understand it. You don't understand it? Well, I think there's a place in here where it said he's going to send his spirit, the Holy Ghost, and he will teach you all things. Therefore, you're without excuse. And so that's getting to laying the foundation for idolatry. The questioners, in essence, are really denying that God exists. They're creating that question. Psalm 19, 1 through 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech. I heard birds this morning. I've heard the wind blowing. I've heard it. Did y'all hear it this morning? Somebody told me this morning they was hearing frogs this week. Frogs didn't even realize it's still winter. They said, no, it's warm, and they're out singing. What are they singing? They're singing to God. Here's what it says. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout, through, through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. You may not see robins in South America, but there are birds there. That shows you the creation. They've been throughout the world and the language they speak. I don't care where you're from, what language you speak. When a bird chirps and whistles, sometimes it brings a smile to your face, don't it? They're giving God glory. That's what they're doing. And that language, we don't have to understand what a bird says. I know sometimes I talk to our dog, and that's probably the stupidest animal ever born, I think, this new dog we've got. He, he don't even know to come here. I don't know what's wrong with him. But we're working with him. But he don't understand my language. When he was barking the other day, I didn't know what he was saying. I could look at his actions and tell, okay, there's a deer or something over there. He's got his nose twitching because he was just a howling. He's got a hound in him, and, man, he wants to roam. But I don't understand what he's saying. But the fact that he's a living creature lets me know 
You see, creation caused us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And that covers the people in the remote parts of the world. And that covers the people up and down our road. That covers the people sitting over in Roanoke. That covers the people wherever they are that the Lord has known. And unless someone has reasoned away or conceived in themselves otherwise and ultimately has seared their conscience to the point of becoming a fool, they cannot escape the reality of God. You say, well, preacher, that's just what you believe. I choose not to believe that. Let me tell you something, friend. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ that was born of a virgin and that he came to this world for the, our sins, paid the price, and was resurrected so that we could be saved, doesn't change the fact whether you believe it or not. Doesn't change the fact of whether the world believes it or not, but we're going to look at what idolatry will cause, and we're laying that foundation now. The critical juncture occurs when a human being either chooses to seek God or satisfies the desire that he has within him to worship God. He will relieve his own conscience whenever he decides to come up with something else. A little God, a little G. Little gods ain't real. Told you last week that idolatry ain't just about statues and figurines, altars and temples. As a matter of fact, they're a part of it, but they're kind of high on the food chain. There's a root problem that sits in there for idolatry. How do these gods come about? How do they originate? And the simple answer is, is man has created all those gods and idols. Every god and idol that's sitting out there, God didn't do it. Man created a god and an idol. And that's because that we are compelled to worship God. It's an inborn awareness that he has put in us. And so we create these idols or man creates these idols in order to satisfy what's going on. And by the way, whatever or whoever has created this God is the one, by the way, who decides what is pleasing to this God. Now, the danger is, is when Christianity will alleviate parts of the word and maybe add to some things or really harp on a certain spot, the danger is whenever we do that, what have we done? We've created a God that doesn't exist. This is him whole. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. We've got to have everything that he gives us. And so man will do that, and the, the one that creates him or invents him or comes up with him that is the one who decides how you're going to worship him. That's the one who's going to decide uh, uh, what he can do for you. If we don't believe in prayer, friends, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not praying in your life, this is a hard truth. You do not believe in prayer. Because if you're praying, you believe in it. If you're reading the scriptures, you believe in it. That's a hard truth, isn't it? We might as well do it because he's made everything available for us so that we can grow. In Romans 1 and 21, it says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify. Now let me just talk about this word glorify. What do you think when I say glorify? Uplift. Give me another word, a single word. Praise. Give me another word. Worship. That's simple as that. Worship. Although 
They knew God. They did not worship him as God. They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. In essence, what this is saying is man creates these things to worship. They were worshiping idols. Who came up with it? Man did. That's what God is saying. And you see, I told you, building idols, is not, it has nothing to do or it's not, it's not all about uh, uh, statues and things. It goes very deep. You see, they didn't worship him as God is what the Bible says. What is true worship, though? I want to play the Jeopardy music right now. You got it, George? No, don't put it on. To exemplify him. You see, if we think that worship is to sing a slow song or an old hymn or something, we've missed the message. We've missed the message. Because the truest definition of true worship is not music and singing, it's obedience. Obedience. Dave touched on it this morning. Randy touched on it in Sunday school this morning. I didn't tell these guys what I'm preaching. They didn't look at my notes. That's God talking to us. Three times today he has put in some ears that obedience is worship. That's what it is, obedience. Now, the first occurrence of worship in the Bible, and if you don't believe me, do your own word study, is in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5. You see that? That's a long time, and that covered a lot of time in that. It covered a lot of time if you was to start in Genesis 1-1 and start reading. It'll take you a bit to get to 22 and 5. But the first place that it comes up, and it says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and what? Worship. And we will come back to you. Now, you can preach that message another way for what it means, but I want us to focus on this. You see, Abraham and Isaac wasn't going on to another place and get a band together and start singing songs to God. What were they going to do? Anybody know the Bible good enough that we didn't read it all? He was going to sacrifice his only son. He wasn't going to play music to him. He said, we're going to go worship. First place that worship shows up is obedience. He's talking about obedience. Three days early, God said, go and kill him. And he did. He went to go kill him, but he didn't kill him. And we won't go that deep into it, but that's what he did. He was obedient to God. You see, when we glorify God or worship God or any authority, that's when, we are, when we're obeying them is whenever we build them up. In our nation, in the last little bit, the police and everything that's going on in the world, authority has just been so degraded. Why? Because people don't respect it. There's no obedience. I want to do what I think is right. How, you know, people get pulled over speeding all the time. It's always the other guy's fault. I'm speeding, and I've got a right to be speeding. I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting ready to do something. I've got to get it done. But you broke the law. 
Well, what about the guy that passed me 10 minutes ago? He had to be doing 100. How many of you caught all the fish out of the pond? See, just because somebody else is guilty don't make our guilt any better. And that's where we live at in this world. We live at in this world. We compare ourselves to ourselves. That's what we do. That's what we do. And, 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 and it comes down that whenever we dishonor something, we're degrading what it's worth. When we don't obey God, when we don't worship God, we're degrading his worth. A part of what we're seeing in our nation today is simply because God has been degraded. Now, we're going to go deep in this this morning. We're going to go a little bit deeper. I know that. Amos 5 and 21. I want, I want to read you something. If you, if you stuck back there where I, something I said a while ago, listen to this, 5, 21 through 24. I hate. Now, who's the I there? God. He says, I hate. I despise your feast, and I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. But let justice run down like a river and righteousness like a mighty stream. You see, righteous living is obedience to his authority. It's as simple as that. It's not what we determine to be righteous. Dress a certain way, walk a certain way, talk a certain way, show up to church. Uh, you know, those are good things and we need those. But righteous living is simply put as obedience to God. It's that simple. If I'm not being obedient to God, then that's not righteous living. It's not right. That's the root word that sits there. It's not right. You see, God instructed Moses concerning acceptable offerings as a form of worship. Now listen to this. You don't have to turn to these. These are just references for everybody. He talked about a lamb in Exodus 29, 39 through 41. He talked about a bull in Exodus 29, 10 through 14. He talked about grain in Exodus 29 and 10. And there are others that are listed there. They could burn a holy incense called frankincense as a form of worship in Leviticus 2 and 2. But yet listen to what God had to say in Isaiah 66, 2 and 3. For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look upon. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. He also, he who kills a bull is as if he slays a man. He who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. He who offers a grain offering as if he offers swine's blood. And he who burns incense as if he blesses an idol. Just as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations. Folks, what he is saying, he starts out in this talking about who he's going to bless, and it's those who tremble at his word. There's been some times I've read the Bible and got to trembling about it because it hit close to home. I don't know about you, has it ever happened to you? There's been some times that I've heard preaching and it hit close to home. Thank God there was one time that it hit close to home and I got saved. I came to the Lord. And as I've been growing, there have been times, as I've been doing this so we can get it all into us, there are things that he's given, and it sometimes will make you tremble. But he turns right around to them who chooses their own way of worship or to obey him, and their acts of worship are not accepted. They are compared to human sacrifice, dog sacrifice, pig's blood, 
and blessing and an idol. They are an abomination in God's eyes. We sang beautiful songs this morning. The men got up. We sang beautiful songs. But if something's not sitting right inside of our heart, it meant absolutely nothing to God. Nothing. Wow. That's just, that just comes and hits you, don't it? Their worship, their sacrifice, the things they did, it wasn't worship at all is what God was saying. You see, we can sing songs to God, attend worship services, or profess our allegiance to God in accordance with the prescribed ways of the New Testament. But if we don't have the foundation of obedience, our worship is worthless. It is worthless. The Bible also mentions that I talked about in the last scripture. It talks about being thankful or gratefulness, thanksgiving to God. You see... If we would believe that we're entitled to a certain lifestyle or deserve a certain thing or expect some sort of status, we are self-focused and actually unthankful. Walk around in this world today and some people, if they couldn't complain, they would walk around saying nothing. They would say nothing. We have to be thankful. That's a part of what we read there in the beginning. We have to be thankful. Not only do we be all right, we obedient and worship him, but we have to be thankful. You see, we become prideful in our own labor and the things that we've done. We have to be careful of that. We have created something inside of us for the accomplishments that we've made. We want to hear the praise of men. We want to have those kinds of things coming our way. But that's the wrong way to be. As a Christian, as a pastor, as a preacher, I should never do that. As a music leader, you should never do that. But it ain't just on us. It's on everybody who's a believer. We should never want to be receiving praise from men. That's a dangerous place to get in. What did the devil do? It's how come he fell from heaven. He wanted to be worshipped just like God was. And it was idolatry that was the root of it. See, these, these root attributes turn toward our inward desires. We want people to obey us. We want people to thank us. And if they don't, they're not worthy of me anymore. Don't we do that? Don't the world do that? I pray we're not doing that. We're believers, right? We're not doing that, are we? You let the Holy Ghost do, deal with whatever might, he might be speaking with you. But I'm telling you right now, folks, whenever this kind of stuff comes in, that's what f facilitates or brings in the growth of idolatry in a person. That's what brings about idolatry within a church. That's what brings about idolatry ultimately inside of a nation, and that's what we are dealing with today. You see, the root of all this is the lack of obedience and, and gratefulness to God. Now, we worship ourselves. Listen to Romans chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. This is the world. I'm not talking about the church here. We're going to talk about the church tonight. We're going to talk about idolaters in the church tonight. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. 
the creature. The creature. You see, when we are worshiping something, we are satisfying our natural desires to worship. You go to Hinduism. Now think about this for a minute. How many of you want to be a cow? Raise your hands. I know somebody in here might feel that. Anybody? Why in the world do these people do that? I mean, if you walk around as a human being, I don't care if you're rich, poor, whatever you are, when you die, if you come back as particularly a Brahma, man, you've reached the pinnacle. Why do they do that? It's what God placed in their hearts. They have a need to worship. Every human being has a need to worship. And yet he takes us down this road. You see, our moral compass gets to the place that it's compromised and truth is exchanged for a lie is what the scripture says. The truth was exchanged for a lie. Perceived wisdom is in reality foolishness. Wisdom that comes from this world, friends, is foolishness. But we perceive it as wisdom. Normal is not normal. Good is evil. Evil is good. That's the thing that he's talking about here in the first part of that verse. Let's go to verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Vile passions. For the next several verses, Paul gives us 22 offenses against God. They are all vile passions. He spends most of his time talking about homosexuality. They all lead to the same place. That needs an amen too. But society who accepts and champions homosexuality because he spends more time talking about that has gotten so deep and very, very deep into idolatry. Our society, hmm, our society has lost its way. Folks, churches have lost their way. There are bishops in churches who are homosexual. How does that happen? How are you worshiping God when you disobey God? And we can get worked up. We can say it. We can identify the problems until the live long day. But until we seek solutions and until we put those solutions in action, nothing changes. We're just good at identifying things. We got to look at ourselves and be able to identify things. See, this is the stuff that that he puts in there. Let's go on. In verse 26, we're going to finish it out. For even their women exchanged the natural use of what it was against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning the lust for one another, men with men committing what was shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due them. He spends a lot of time talking about this. Our, our, our society, it ceases to acknowledge and give thanks to God. And folks, whenever you do that, you start trending to the place of giving approval to things and encouraging things. There are people that have these encouragements particularly with homosexuality. And we're into another place now of talking about other unnatural things. And they exchange the truth for a lie. 
and it creates this confusion over gender. Do you not realize that America in the last few years has, been, has spent $200 billion with a B, B for Bob, $200 billion on, on making everything right and being able to bring up what needs to be said uh, that they think to make it okay for homosexuality and gender issues. What a waste of resources. Think of the infrastructure our president talked about that needs to be done, bridges, schools. All these things need to be done. $200 billion just to brainwash a people to say that this is good. And they put it under the guise of calling it a human rights issue. It's not human rights. Folks, we are multicultural sitting in this church right now. We have different colors of skin. We come from different places in the world. And you know what? That is a human rights issue because we should not, as we learned last week, we should not be partial. We want black people to come in here. We want Hispanic people to come in here. We want Japanese, Asians, all of them. We want them to come in and worship with us. And friend, if that's not setting in your heart, it's a place called sin. You might as well be a homosexual because there are 22 offenses setting in this thing. 22 of them. And they lead to the same place. Think of the work that could be done to help those that are homeless. In 2008, when the economy crashed, people got homeless. It wasn't their fault. But yet we won't help them in our nation because we feel they've gotten themselves in that spot. We as believers should never get to that place that we won't help somebody when the good Lord says do it. Because I'm telling you right now, if he tells you to do something, he will provide. He will provide. Hmm. Wasting resources so that people can, can choose their preference. Genesis 1, 27, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. You see, God's the one that chooses. You got boy parts, you're a boy. You got girl parts, you're a girl. You spend the rest of your life that way. You got boy parts, you're not meant to be intimate with other boys. God didn't make you that way. Even the animals understand that. The animals understand that, don't they? Why in the world can't people understand that? It's because we have this desire to do something else that's within us. All of this is done under the guise of being wise. And sadly, it's encouraging wrong behavior and keeping people in bondage and a lifestyle they are not created for. Now, we can amen all the homosexual stuff, can't we? But let's go a little bit deeper. Can we do that? And can we amen just as fervently? You see, this kind of behavior, all this stuff happens when worshiping or obeying God and we are unthankful. It's foolishness. And that's not all that God was warning them about through Paul. There are 21 other offenses and they're called violent passions and they're a result of disobedience let's keep reading 
verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters. You, you know people about just stab you in the back. They don't stab you in your face. Our world is rampant with that. Try to have a conversation with somebody you got a disagreement with. They're either going to fight you or they'll ignore you. They don't want to know truth. If you don't want to know truth, then how in the world can God be your God? I don't care what church you belong to or how long your membership's been there. If you don't want to face truth, your real problem is with God. It's not with nobody walking around in this world. Whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters. Look at me. Look what I do. Boasters. Inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents. My goodness. There's a whole lot of stuff sitting in this, ain't it? Undiscerning. Untrustworthy. Ooh. Unloving. How are you a Christian if you're unloving? Even the homosexual, we love his soul. Even the gossipers and the whispers and the backbiters, we love them, don't we? We should. Unforgiving. Ooh, we talked about that one back in the fall. If you're sitting here today and unforgiveness is sitting in your heart over anything, you better get right because you get a ride in the same boat with the homosexuals, the ones you amen about and your stomach turned a minute ago. Unmerciful. Oh my goodness, don't we have to give mercy? Those are the 21 he talked about. The Titanic left with different people on it. It's the same boat. It's the same boat. How many of you would like to go in Amsterdam and walk down the streets in Amsterdam? Can I tell you a little bit about Amsterdam? We go to New York City and places, even around here, you can go and you can see little signs up about this kind of pornographic stuff and things like that. But you go to Amsterdam, they don't just have the signs saying we got women here or this or that. They've gone on to the place that they have uh, bedrooms set up in street windows. You can choose what you want. Does that not turn your stomach? Does that just make you shudder? It is sick. But folks, that is the same boat as somebody that will sit in a group of people and whisper about people and tear them down. You don't like that? You might be sitting in heaven watching window shows. I don't want to go watch window shows. It's the same boat. It's the same boat. And that's what Paul was warning us about here. So you don't have to look hard to find these things and this kind of behavior in our society. It's rampant. It's destroying lives. It's destroying friendships. Any of this list up here. It's destroying friendships. It's destroying families. It's destroying churches. And it's destroying our nation. And we get to do something about it. We can be the light for this world. But we got to put this kind of stuff, if it's sitting in us, it's got to go away. It has to go away. Otherwise, it's just we're just playing a game. 
You see, I wonder why don't the leaders speak up and expose those who misguided beliefs. We become afraid of the truth rather than embracing it. We've embraced the lies and we've embraced the deception and we've drifted into a place called idolatry. That's why I've told you as a pastor, now this is not just for the preacher. This is for you as a believer. When you're sitting around with people and they got this kind of stuff coming out of them, you need to know the word of God good enough and you need to be close enough to the Lord to be able to tell him this is what the Lord says and you're on dangerous ground. You're on dangerous ground. Do we have that in us? Or do we say, well, I'm just not going to say anything. How can you tell somebody you love them and you won't share truth with them? Wow. Oh, I love you, Randy. I just love you to death. And all this stuff you're doing, I am not going to touch it. Because our friendship means so much more than that. Who does it mean so much more to? The idol that I worship. Me. See, man creates idols. And the biggest idol that you will ever face is you. You want to be worshipped. Well, I don't want to have this conversation. But, but, Pastor, you don't understand. This is my mom. This is my dad. This is my cousin. This is my brother and my sister. This is my best friend since, since, since kindergarten. Then if you love them, why would you not show them what will keep them off of the boat? Because you love yourself more than you love them. See, if the church would do that, oh, preacher, you don't, you don't understand. Oh, I do understand. Tonight we're going to talk about how we can sit here and say we don't understand. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. It's got to do with a fellow by the name of Saul. We'll talk about him tonight. But how can we have that? Romans 32, 1 and 32, and I'll finish in with this. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Can we agree with that? Oh, we're getting there, Brother Eddie. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Mm. See, it's bad enough that we got the government and we've got the media and we got the, the TV and the movie producers. We got all these people. We, we, we've got the social workers in the world, our society itself, those who are having overall influence in our nation or among people. It's bad enough that they will ignore their conscience and the ways of God, but it is particularly disturbing when Christians, regardless of their title, will not speak truth, but rather approve of something. You say, well, preacher, I, I'm not approving of anything. Friend, let me tell you something. To do nothing is doing something. To do nothing, it is doing something. And when you do nothing, oftentimes the people that you're closest to, the ones that you are the one that can get the truth to them, oftentimes when you say nothing, they perceive it as being okay. 
Oh, they see it as approval. And what good are you doing them? You see, if that's the case, maybe you got that going on inside your family. Maybe you got that going on with a coworker. Maybe you got that going on with a friend here in church. I don't know. I don't know what your story is, but God brought you a word here. And the word he's telling you is if you can't go to the place where truth gets revealed, which the Bible says what? The truth will do what? It will set you free. If you can't do that, friend, please don't throw your shoes at me. Don't throw those briardy roses at me. You're suffering from idolatry. Idolatry. The idol that you worship and obey is you. Take peace of scriptures, that's fine, but we've got to have the whole counsel of God. You see, God is authentically acknowledged when we obey him. Not what we say. Not with our lip service. It's when we obey him. And folks, pulpits today, I think a lot of times have gotten to the place that, I don't know. The first declared act of worship was in Scripture was when Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. I'm going to leave you with a quick story. And I please don't read anything wrong in this, but I want to show you a story here of how, and it's true. We were at the assembly a few years ago and they were talking about the issue of sanctification, what our church teaches. And they were really clarifying but clarifying meant taking some things and saying, yeah, we've been a little bit here. You know, Aunt Martha, she got sanctified in 1944. She's mean as a snake, but she's sanctified. How in the world did that happen? Well, I got sanctified then. See, she never realized until she dies, God's growing her. The stuff you go through, God's growing you. And it really hit home with me because that was something that me and Brother Murphy talked about for years. I was having a hard time getting that. I said, man, you got to help me understand this because I'm not taking your word for it. i got to understand it. I want to know because I need to tell people or not tell people. And we were at the service that day, and they covered these things, and there was a man that got up. He was, he was a southern guy. I could tell by his accent. And really spoke out against the changes the church was coming up with. He didn't like the changes that were coming. Spoke out against it. The night before he'd been in service and it appeared the Holy Ghost was all over him. And I just happened to be walking out the doors coming down this big hallway to the escalators to go back to our rooms. I heard him talking with another minister. I wish I would have known the message I'm preaching today, this series now, then. Because he said, I will not go back and preach that to my people. It's a person that can't receive growth. 
But what's really sad, I don't know how big this church is, 50 people, 25 people, might have been 350 people. I have no idea. But there's 350 people that's not going to get exposed to the truth. I wish then, because I wanted to say something then, but, you know, I was out of worshiping me. Who are you? You're just a young guy. Who are you to go talk to this man about it? Why do you want to create a scene here? I was worshiping me. I didn't want to walk down that road. If I knew what I know now, I'd have said, Brother, can me and you have a talk? Let's go into the Word. You see, the Word always leads you to the right place. We don't have to fall, about, fall apart as Christians if we stick with the Word, if we do the book. It's all called idol worship. And you see how factions can happen when truth doesn't get to come in. So I'm going to ask you this morning to pray this morning. What has God told you to do? Has God told you to talk with somebody? Have you obeyed? What has God talked to you about? In this series, is there something God has talked to you about and every week you've just kind of let it go? Don't do it, friends. Don't do it. Because if we do, we end up walking in this boat with these people and this vile stuff. That's what comes about from it. You see, when a little crack happens for the devil to sneak his toe in, he's coming on in. If you let your guard down and the crack happens, get ready for the battle because he is coming in. And don't let self be the one that gets in the way of what truth is, friends. It's my prayer that the Holy Ghost will work in this service this morning. It's my prayer he will work on our hearts. I don't want to hear that you got sanctified in whatever year it was. No, are you still being sanctified daily? You see, we gave out a little thing in our bulletins this morning, I think, wasn't it, with the apples on it, you know, about tithing? Oh, preacher, you just don't know my life. I can't afford it. You can't afford not to because then that's called disobedience to God. It's in the Word. I'll sit down with you and talk with you about it. I'll show you. Not confrontationally. I won't have a confrontation with you. Five years ago, I might have had a confrontation with you, but I'm not that man anymore. Because I see what the devil does, and he is the enemy. You are not my enemy. The people up and down this road that don't know anything about God or throughout the world, they are not my enemy. The enemy is the devil. And the devil, he takes people to the place that they start looking at self, and self wants to be worshipped. Self wants to be lifted up. Self wants to receive all these things, and yet we're putting something before God. Anything that goes before God is idol worship. It's not just the temples and the statues and the things like that. So this morning, I invite you to come and pray. I told you last week, I'm telling you again this week, very soon we're going to have a class together, probably a Sunday afternoon, and we're going to talk about altar work and putting some time on this thing, and I want us to get to where we can do that. And it's not just right here. It's when we go visit. It's when we go and have the conversation. You see, you go into somebody's home and they're needing something. Maybe something's just eating them up inside and they got bitterness growing in them. Have, have enough of Jesus in you to lead them to the truth that the bitterness will be gone and gone forever. Because otherwise, did I read that here? 
Oh, my goodness, haters of God, backbiters, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. It's got to be dealt with. Join me this morning in prayer. If y'all give, you got a song, Danny? You got a song on your heart. We're going to let Danny and, and, the, and the folks do us a song this morning. This message this morning, friends, was maybe not so much for you. Maybe it's for the people that you're going to be talking to. Get that word inside of you. Be a messenger for Jesus. Amen. You see, if Brother Murphy all these years he ministered and somebody needed to hear truth and he didn't do it for whatever reason, man, that would be wrong, wouldn't it? If I do that, that would be wrong because the only thing it's going to do, it's going to set you up on a snowball trail that leads straight to hell. Saul thought he did right by God. We'll talk about it tonight. He was blinded. It's so easy to get blinded. Well, he's just attacking me. Right there is a clue for you. Oh, the preacher's attacking me. That's a clue for you. This is truth. And it's God not attacking you. It's God saying, okay, come up here, walk with me. It's not an attack. Come up here, walk with me. That's what God's saying. Come and follow me. Jesus walked along the shores of Galilee and said, follow me. These guys dropped everything and followed him. That's God saying, come follow me. It's not an attack at all. But see, when the devil gets inside of us, we get tunnel vision. And now it's personal. But instead of being personal with God, it's personal about other people. It's easy to point the fingers and blame them. It's easy to do that. It's not that. The issue's with God. Be fearful for the one that can destroy body, soul, and spirit. Be fearful of him. Won't you come and pray this morning?